Welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launchpad for left of center artists. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix, and our guest today is The Kills. Please welcome them to the show. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Allison. The Kills. Welcome to Launch Left. Thanks for having us. I see that Jamie, it appears to be that he might be somewhere uh, in Los Angeles as well and not overseas. Is that right? That's true. I'm in Los Angeles, yes. How are you liking it thus far? I tell you, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better place to be if I had to be locked down since March. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of nice here. This, it's, I've got a studio in my house and I like, I've got my little dog over there. And um, I kind of, I like the solitude here during this weird time in history. <laughs> We're all in a safe, distanced Angelino hang right now. And uh, you guys have a B-side rarities album out and the single is out. I just listened to it and love it. What what drove you to want to make this or, or compile this record? Well, it was Lawrence Bell from our record label, Domino, really. He's quite a workaholic. And I think in the first sort of month of the lockdown, he got his brain sort of went into overdrive. And, and he was also kind of pretty frustrated and <laughs> bored with the lack of stuff going on. And he just said, he just called me one day and just said he'd been walking and he'd had his... Uh, phone on shuffle and some weird old bit like kills b-side came on and he kind of went down this rabbit hole of listening to all that old sort of b-sides and dug them all out and he, he formulated this idea of uh, of you know presenting the world with some b-sides and rarities you know because you know how things get buried now in the in the uh, in the ether in the internet things get piled on top of stuff and then you can't find those tracks anymore you know <laughs> so it seemed like a nice idea. It's also a really perfect time to do something like this because I think in normal life, when we're really busy just moving forward at crazy speeds, it's really hard to take the time out to make anything retrospective or, you know, spend that kind of time looking through stuff, listening to things and old photographs and old videos and all of that and um, making something out of it. I mean, normally I don't, I, there would be no time. So it was a lovely, it was a lovely exercise, I would say. So it's amazing because you both are obviously very prolific and you're good at multitasking. And, and so this was, like you said, you wouldn't have found the time. I do think that there's something interesting about what's happened with quarantine and artists, you know, that there somehow there's these new pockets of time we wouldn't normally have. Part of the freedom is that there's, um, that, there's a sense where the pressure's off, you know. There's always a, before all this happened, there seemed, I don't know, I felt like I, I felt like under intense pressure. It was, really, it was really making me anxious, like last year, just just the thought of, oh, there was just, so, I don't know, there was just so much going on, scheduling and like trying to write a new record when all this other stuff was going on. That was almost a relief when the brakes were put on a little bit. And you realize that, oh my God, how much more time you have when, when your days aren't punctuated by 
you know, a sort of um, business lunch or like, a, you know, having to meet so-and-so at dinner and stuff like that, you know. No fucking and, reason. Like, no fucking good reason at all. No fucking good reason. <laughs> you know, like, oh. I don't miss that at yeah, all. You know, like, you're, you know, you're Hungarian lawyers in town. <laughs> So you've got to meet him, obviously. You do not have a Hungarian lawyer. <laughs> no. Maybe we should get one. I don't know. We've got... But something like that, you know, and I just I felt like the pressure was really off when this happened. It was like, oh, my God, it felt like... It felt like my favourite way of making, like, secret little machines, you know, where we would work in the studio and just like all all night 24 hours you know sort of stay up all night and it felt like you you had sort of bought into this uh secret time where there was some you could get more done and and it felt like that here in the lockdown and then and then it stopped feeling like that yeah it's been a long time right it really has like, this is yeah. rubbish <laughs> I miss going to dinner with my lawyer. Yeah. Your Hungarian lawyer. I mean, we all miss our Hungarian lawyers. We should call our Hungarian lawyer. I'd love to ask both of you to answer the question, how music found you initially? Me, it was really, I was so, so young. My dad is a used car dealer still, but he was when I was a little kid. And he would buy these cars and bring them back and detail them. And people would just leave so many cassette tapes in these cars. And he would just come home with bags of cassette tapes, you know, and that turned into bags of just like random CDs under carpets and things like that. And so I really um, would get so excited and play everything. And that just turned into this incredible obsession with music and always listening to music, always, always, always when I was little. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just have, I have people that sold their cars to thank really for my sparked interest. And <laughs> wow. um, Jamie, what, what what can you add to that? I don't. And there what was can't you really, add to that? I don't really remember a time or a particular point. I met, I kind of remember like always getting shouted at for drumming on everything, you know, tabletops, <laughs> the back of my dad's car seat, and everything. And it was like, <laughs> you know, I, it was, I, was, I drove everyone crazy like that. And then we lived in a, in a house that had, um, we rented a house that had Hammond organ in the basement. And I would, I mean, I spent two months not actually getting it to work, but I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I must, that was probably about the age of six. I always was really fascinated by musical instruments. But my, I don't know why, my parents weren't weren't into music they had like eight <laughs> records in their record collection abba arrival some like brilliant prokofiev it must have been a soundtrack to something don't know what maybe romeo and juliet and then some then they had these bands that i don't know they had this the seekers and the new seekers and then the i don't know there's they seem <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the brand new seekers. Yeah, the <laughs> seekers. They had lots of things like that, and they were all variously rubbish. So that never really, apart from the coffee, that never, that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I suppose it was when I was about maybe 11 
and I started. I heard started listening to bands like The Jam and Blondie, and that kind of made me, for some reason, just my whole life changed. Then you know, I was just in love with this idea of being that, and I just that's what I just knew that's what I wanted to be, and I started playing guitar badly. I love how you all met and and started the kills, and it's like that kind of inspired moment that happens. You know, kind of rarely, depending on the people. Just, it's a very interesting um, collaboration, and in that you moved to the UK. I know, Allison, and you guys just kind of like couldn't help but make art together. It was a really great time, actually, then, because um, there wasn't this. I think I find that everything's kind of um, filtered into commercial release now. You know, it's not, and um, and then it was. That was it was pretty it was pretty cool meeting Allison at that time when um, there was quite a, a thriving sort of post punk underground scene that really yeah. was underground you know and people were making uh, the first music that me and Allison made was really really fulfilling and absolutely impossible to do anything with you know it was like cut up things and just sort of bits of taping off the radio and then and TV and then we chop things together and sing something over it. It was really I loved it, but you could you couldn't think like I mean the thought of sending that to anybody and then sort of signing you, which was which was which was how you got signed back then. You'd send a label, a demo, and then you'd hope that they were going to listen to it. I mean fucking hell, if someone had listened to that, I don't know what it'd be like it sounds I like loved it. This sounds like a. Sounds like something a, I would love. It's all, it's all your fault, JB, because when really? I was in my old band and, you know, I was about. I would have left the telly on, but you could only hear the sound. Yeah. You know, it was like adverts coming on. And <laughs> I was like 18 when I met Jamie and I was in my first band still. And, um, and he really encouraged me to write songs because at that point I'd only written lyrics and sung. And um, I was in a band with three other guys and um, he lent me a four track cassette or it was yeah it was like a four track cassette recorder and like sent it with me off on tour in Europe and so I would stay up all night not knowing what the hell I was doing and basically just recording like people talking people walking you know radios and drums and things and putting them all together and bringing you back these things that I thought were songs <laughs> and I'm like look Jamie here you go it's first, and it's the first time it's amazing ever, actually it's the first time <laughs> I've ever had that feeling though when I play music where I would listen to something and I felt like this combination of absolute excitement and also kind of gutted jealousy, you know, <laughs> it was this thing that was like, and it, became, it was almost, it's like that's, I don't know, I don't know really how else to describe it, but it was like, it sounded so cool, the stuff she was doing. And it's so cool that I was kind of like, oh, you know, a little bit <laughs> gutted that I hadn't come up with it. Would you say that the Kills had a healthy dose of healthy competition that led you guys to improve? A, a, oh, yeah. you know, once together, you pushed each other absolutely. in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he was just like I remember being in London and hearing him play guitar like through the floor, and just it was the most incredible thing yeah. I'd ever heard. It was like the way he's talking about that tape, well, his guitar style, and what he did was so incredibly out there and different and awesome. And I just wanted more of it and more of it. And I wanted to be able to 
play and I wanted to be able to write songs good enough to apply that kind of thing to, you know, and have an understanding of it. So there was always a healthy dose of constant learning and sharing of music and, you know, supporting each other because I thought what he was doing was the coolest thing in the world, you know, and welcome. Yeah, you guys have been together for a minute, so uh, and you still seem to really like each other as, as artists. We really do. People, really that's so do. cool. We went out last night. We went to our friends for dinner, and there was a moment where we, me and Alison, were just falling around, falling about, like hugging each other and laughing about some stupid thing. I can't remember what. And the whole table just went, "Oh, that's incredible!" And I just, it's like it's just it's sort of surprising to us to be to be you know to be sort of for it to be pointed out because it is just kind of normal for us. <laughs> That's really amazing. You clearly were meant to find each other. You have, as some people would say, karma together. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, well, what about activism? What's your form of activism? <laughs> Hard one. Cause it's not like one thing or two things or three things, 50 things at all times. Might be another good thing to talk about about this time where, you know, I've suddenly become so much more involved and so reading so much more and listening to so much more and paying attention to so much more. Um, again, something that I feel like I never had that kind of brain space for so much of it or to go so deeply, you know, or to learn so much because I was too sidetracked, just going every direction. So I feel like now more than any time in my life, I feel much more aware of what's going on um, yeah. with nearly everything. Maybe I know too much. I've been in a strange position because I have the same thing where it's like, it's in, you know, I, I, I'm obsessed by it in a way, just kind of, especially the election and that, you know, I find myself spending so much time refreshing the news, like as if they're going to, change the page you know the front page in five minutes but um i'm in this really i feel like in this really strange place of i can vote in a country where i don't live and i live in a country where i can't vote and, yeah um and it, it's odd i was out on the streets at the protest protest in la like from the start and uh and it it just felt weird for me because you know i feel kind of powerless and and uh, and uh and a tourist as well, <laughs> you know, like. I'm, I'm but you're not, you're not powerless, you know, just being there is a great thing. And I feel like a lot of people from overseas that I know that live here are so, they're so awesome because they're actually so motivated and often, you know, the most passionate because they can't vote and they're like yeah. helping in any it's way funny. to, in, when, to yeah. inspire yeah. Americans to give a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, funny. When I lived in London, we, then we'd go on all these demonstrations and there was, you know, plenty of riots going on in London. And, and it was always the Greeks and the Italians that were, that were the most sort of, everyone was envious of them because they were so organized and they, you know, it's just like really radical people. It's always the people that didn't live in London that were like that. Yeah. You know what I love to ask is like, who are you currently listening? Is there anyone you can um, share that maybe the world hasn't heard about that they'd be like, whoa, I didn't know Allison liked that band. I'm going to check them out. We like to kind of help big up other bands that might be lesser known. Or Have you heard Maya Hawke's new record? No. It's so damn beautiful. It's so great. The lyrics are so great. The music is so well done. It's gorgeous. And the other thing I've been listening to a lot, but I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of him, 
is uh, Bob Dylan's new record. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone out there hasn't heard of this guy, you got to check him out. He's pretty good. Um, but you know, Maya Hawk's record is really special. Um, I've been driving back and forth across the country during this because I didn't want to get on planes at first. And then suddenly I got myself in a situation where I had like, uh, you know, I had to go back because I had my car and then I had to go back because I left other, I just, so I've been having some time to listen to records and the two records that I've really loved listening to over and over and over again were those two records in the last few months. Well, I've been listening to a lot of Shostakovich, but <laughs> wow. I mean, that's Beautiful. like, that's very old. I'm like dark stuff. Like I, I'm like, I'm loving dark classical stuff. And that new, the new uh, Salem released a new sort of leak on, on YouTube. And, um, and it's got like some coffee samples in it. And it's that it's so dark and beautiful that. So I'll be listening to that, but pe- people be well aware of Salem, I'm sure. Whose name was that? Sorry. Salem. Salem. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, there's a track called Capulets that I've been listening to over and over again, which is basically a coffee F sample with, um, with the dude chopped and screwed over the top. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. Um, Barbara Alley is this guy that I worked with recently. Um, we made a record and he's phenomenal. I absolutely love him. That's worth checking out. Barbara Alley. Barbara Alley. Yeah. He's a young kid from, he's actually from New York, but he's living, living in London now. And um, it's him and a guitar player, but he's just got amazing. Yeah. just He's really good. It's like, Beautiful voice, plays a Rhodes and a Wurlitzer. He's got this guitar player that I'm kind of, you know, it's not often that I'm envious of a guitar player, but he's got so many brilliant ideas. It's like really unusual. Right up my street. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do a widdly, widdly wow thing. <laughs> Something like really minimal, like a little, ah, oh, he's great. He's really great. Woodley, woodley, wow. I really love no, no, Woodley, 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 Gosh, what was the other thing I was just curious about? You know, hopefully this isn't a somber subject, but playing live. Obviously, I think for all of us who play music and we're excited about 2020 um, as a year to tour, that went away. And now 2021 is in question mark, I think, to be honest. So, um, In so many ways. Do you have any ideas of how to kind of innovate the space so that we can, obviously live streaming has become, you know, the closest thing, but there's, I miss connecting with an audience personally. We were talking about this last night Yeah, Um, Yeah. and, and it was quite inspiring because we were with um, Arrow from Starcrawler and and Gilbert Trejo and he was making, talking about some films he was making with uh, Starcrawler for, for, uh, you know, they'd been really thinking hard about this kind of new, about what, what options would be available to, and they, you know, he had some fantastic ideas. It was really cool. He was talking, showing us all these like LED screens and, and stuff that they were doing in, uh, like in Korea and Singapore with, with like, with this sort of K-pop and taking over 
huge spaces with LED screens and it's really exciting actually. But you know, it doesn't, yeah, it's like, how do you emulate that feeling, that energy you get from the audience? Um, I don't know. I think energy is like a real thing and you really have to feel it and it really has to be in the room with you. Um, so I think there's lots of like different things we could be doing, different creative things we could be doing, but I think that thing is very special to that thing. And I don't know if that can be, it's like giving someone a hug. You cannot replicate that in some form that feels exactly the same as that. And it's as satisfying as that, you know? Um, but I don't think we're going to have to wait forever. I think, you know, it might be another year, but, um, yeah. yeah, babe, I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I think some places obviously will start to have that more than others. I mean, I'm already seeing it like in Australia, New Zealand and stuff. Um, other places. We can just go to New Zealand. I, they're not going to let us in. They're going to think we're bringing all the COVIDs. There's really no substitute for energy exchange. Yeah. And there's something about like live stream and all that's wonderful that we found a temporary solution. But as a performer, you get so much from the audience and they get so much from you in the space together. I think, that I think the performance, like, no matter who you are, is 75% audience. I, I mean, they're giving you the gasoline to start the fire. That's it. You know, and without that, it's like, well, yeah, I sit around and play and sing all day by myself. Right. You know, it's a totally different feeling. It's a totally different thing. You have a completely different objective. Um, having one other person in the room changes your playing dramatically. Having 2,000 other people in the room changes it to some sort of superhuman place that you just can't get to by yourself. You know, so you're, you're adding people and energy and heart into the mix that you can't, I don't believe uh, you can replicate in any other way. But I'm, so I'm bummed, you know, it's like, yeah, we're just kind of having to go through this time where it's, it's uh, super weird and <laughs> not as fun, um, but, but we will get there. We will come back. We will do these things. We're all going to be able to do these things. This is not forever. And um, I just keep telling myself that, and it really does make me feel better, you know. Yeah. I worry about stuff like independent venues. You know, I work with that with Neva and the independent venue Um them and you know i one of my biggest concerns is those rooms i love and have grown up and being gone forever you know i feel like there's that war to fight right now and doing anything we can to make sure that when we do come back uh we haven't lost you know 60 percent of america's musical history and rooms and venues and these like basically churches to rock and roll you know yeah um have you been seeing places closing down not heard too much about that actually. I don't know. I feel like when the dust settles, we're gonna, you know, this is what I'm worried about. Um, and the other thing, I'm trying to find positives, <laughs> but you know, the, the, because we haven't been able to be together, it's like I remember feeling that real jolt at the beginning of this, like, oh fuck, like I don't know how to communicate to people. I don't really like being on. I don't want to be on the phone all day. I don't want to be on Zoom all day. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be sedentary like that. Like, what can I make? What can I give the world? What can I contribute? How can I do it? And I got really, really, really into like making videos and editing videos and doing things like that um, as a way of communicating that involves movement and me and something or music or anything to just kind of brighten somebody's day. And even like if it's four people, that's great, you know. 
um, which is a, which is like a, something I never knew how to do, you know? So I got to spend some time learning a new skill, which has been really nice and hard and, you know, interesting. And so I'm just constantly searching for that, like other, other ways of communicating right now that don't make me want to scream. Yeah. You know, it's very holistic and you added yet another hyphen. <laughs> You're definitely a multi hyphenate. Now you can direct star in and edit videos. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, thank you for the positivity, by the way. We need that. Yeah. We, I got so frustrated with it because when we made that Raise Me video, I was like, oh, I kind of had to go. I went out, I bought a video camera and bought Final Cut and just spent all this time just trying to learn learn Final Cut Pro and I'd be calling Alison up screaming because she'd be <laughs> <through> it. <laughs> I was like, you're going to love this. you got to get it. It's so great. You're going to have so much fun. Then it's like a three-week rabbit hole before you're like, oh, my God. And then it's awesome. Ta-da. It's like a crash course. It's great. Especially when you have something to do, a project you're working on. You know, you're like, well, hot damn, I got to learn this right now. No one's around to help me. You know, I got to just do it. Um, I like distracting things like that. That's, that's, an, that's, <laughs> another, that's an interesting, uh, you know, that's, that wouldn't have happened without this situation. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of thing I mean where it kind of took off a lot of pressure and freed you up to, you know, yeah, have the time to do things that you kind of just wouldn't have been able Silver to. lining. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what's great about artists and the creative, you know, no matter what the situation is in the world, like we always need the creative to like that pulls us out of, you know, and um, and I believe everyone is a creative of sorts. But the those artists that are really every day in that, like like you all and really working um, in the creative to sort of like deal with your anxiety and angst and all of that, you know. This is kind of like we're, I feel like maybe we're, you know, at the crest of the Renaissance, you know, what's what going to come out of this dark time is going to be so much. Yeah, Alison's said that to me early on in the... Uh, in One the, weekend, I was like... Word, gonna... word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that, that there's going to be a Renaissance. Of, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was thinking, I was so excited about it. And then as it's gone on more and more, I just started thinking, yeah, this Renaissance is going to turn into a huge, like, backup. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, so everyone's going to be backed up, waiting for their slot to go out on tour and have their record released, you know, like, like some sort of traffic jam at an airport. You know, not wait for your slot to take off. That's okay. You know, having tons and tons of new wonderful things in the world will help us help our this great depression that we're in and us come out of it. You know, do side projects. I'd rather too much than not enough beautiful things in the world. You know. Yeah. That's just such a great way to end the episode. And I just want to thank you both so much for your inspiration and your art and your new record. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for being on Launch Left. Well, thank you for having us. It's nice to meet you.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 